0: Welcome to the Umbrooted Podcast, the landowner podcast to empower you with inspiration, new perspectives, and quick tips for your forest management and land ownership journey. The summer break is almost over and you're probably going to hear them in the background. And to be honest, I've actually been recording this podcast about five times already due to the constant interruptions. But with summer break almost being over, you may be feeling this deadline more or less of trying to cram everything back in for better or worse. It also probably gives you the realization, wake up, that our reforestation should be nearing its end. Did we get whatever site prep needed to get done completed? What do we have left to complete? And just as importantly, did we place our seedling order? All this work to prepare the land won't really be for anything if we don't even have trees to place in the ground. If you're working with a consultant, I can say with a 95% confidence rate that you already have your order placement in. But for those of you that are DIYing it yourself, hopefully this is not a wake up call to call your nursery and see if they have any quota left for you to jump on. Nevertheless, there's a lot to consider when choosing a pine sealing plant. To begin with, there's different species. Those that are better suited for different soil types, like longleaf pine for the coastal plain sands, to La Bali in the red clay hills, to the shortleaf pine in the more mountainous regions. And then you must decide between bare root versus containerized, which is better for you and which is a better investment. Do you have the options for either or? And lastly, genetic differences. Which should I buy? Does it really make a difference? And that's what we're going to settle into today. Now this is going to be a warning before we get into those different genetic additions we'll call it for lack of better words, that without proper site prep to plant your investment into, you cannot expect them to thrive to their full potential. You cannot paint lipstick on a pig and expect a lady, nor throw fish on land and ask why it's not swimming. Or, as 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You reap what you sow. You don't provide a good foundation to sow in, you cannot expect a rewarding reap at the end. Anyways, getting back to the basic genetics, let me also add that not every type of pine species will have these genetic options. And therefore I'm gonna be referring to mostly what you see when it comes to loblolly pine. And also different nurseries may use different terminology in reference to what I will be sharing with you. But if you understand these basics, you can relate them enough to understand what characteristics they are discussing with their seedlings. So what are these genetic options I'm talking about? Open pollinated and control pollinated. That's it. I know it sounded like it was gonna be a lot more and let me let me get into it a little bit here. What's the difference between open pollinated and control pollinated? Well, I also wanna add in that both of these are grown in nurseries sourced from orchards with many years and dare I say, even generations of research behind them. As you can imagine, it takes some time to grow a tree to determine the results of that breeding and improve upon that for more effective and efficient tree seedlings for you. And I say this so you don't have this mental picture that nursery foresters go out into someone's woods just collecting random seed for those seedlings and just kind of guessing what the results will be. There is a lot of research behind them, but there's never 100% guarantee with anything in life, let alone with nature. But all in all, you can trust the value and research behind those pine seedlings which you purchase from, from the nursery. And again, I'm mostly referring to Lavali pine in this particular podcast. So open, and control pollinated seedlings, the difference. We're gonna start with open pollinated, which we're gonna just call OP from here on out. With OP, you know who the mother tree source is. I mean, that's who they're gathering the seed from, but they allow the tree to naturally pollinate via the wind from any other male tree source in the area. So just as the name implies, it is open pollinated. Now there may be different levels of OP, okay? And these different levels means that that particular mother tree may have a certain level of average success in her seedlings traits gained from her compared to other mother trees with different levels. These traits that determine the success can range from volume, which is, you know, that girth a tree puts on to grow in diameter, to straightness, to health and resistance to different fungus and diseases that can ruin the quality of a tree. But who is this mother tree? How come we know she's so great well again because she's grown in an orchard and likely has been researched over and over again and bred over many years and generations to carry specific traits and in the orchards of course they only carry the best of the best to move on to be source trees for thousands and millions of landowners across the southeast now i'm sure you've probably already guessed if op means you know the mother but not the father control pollinated means you know the mother and the father trees these seedlings are intentionally bred by hand pollinating pollen from one particular male tree to a very particular mother tree so you can track the family lineage here and how well that tree's history has performed again there's never a hundred percent guarantee of results in anything like nature but you can assume a high percentage is going to give you more or less exactly what you want high volume extreme straightness resistance to common diseases Will they all be perfect no there's always that redheaded stepchild no offense to all my redhead friends here but no matter what you buy you should expect that there will be a percentage that will not result in good trees or even survive potentially now how wide that percentage spread acceptably may be is dependent on what you buy thankfully that's why we should always calculate you know in our general acceptance of what we are willing to accept for non-survival and thankfully also that's what first thinnings are for to call out the worst performers and allow the rest to thrive in a healthier environment so how do you decide which to invest into that's up to you your objectives and your budget because remember where your budget is the tightening factor you must always place the priority on solid site prep Even the best of trees cannot thrive if they are not planted deep enough due to other debris that's standing there that doesn't allow the planters to plant well enough, or if they are standing in water for three months because you needed to bed but chose not to. But when you have the budget after performing your appropriate site prep needed for your land, and if you have no idea what that might be, check out episode 21 on how to determine that but your objectives are the next make or break decision maker. I've harped on having your solid Y factor over and over and over again and how that resonates with objectives foresters use to provide the recommendations. And again, if you have no idea what I'm talking about here, I do recommend for you to check out our first free chapter, PDF and video series on our website that goes through knowing exactly what you own and will also go through this Y factor but this is the exact situation where your y factor can help you determine how much of investment you are willing to do. Now, let me give an example. Those with a strong economic timber return goal, it's likely worth the investment upfront to increase your volume, to increase your straightness, and even reduce your rotation length to full harvest. But those that have more of a passive income desires and looking at their land for more wildlife hunting and aesthetic personal investments, Getting the best of the best isn't necessarily going to make you feel more fulfilled or change your harvesting time frame plans at all, because that strong timber revenue goal isn't your goal. And in that case, OP trees are probably going to suit you just as well, perhaps more so as it's likely going to free up your wallet a little bit more to do other enhancements that are a lot more meaningful to you to execute on the ground rather than fatter and straighter trees. Neither of these are wrong answers, mind you. They're just different answers for different results for different types of people and goals. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. We each have different gifts, therefore, are going to have different perspectives and goals to use those gifts. If we relate our god-given gifts we have to perhaps her land we are gifted to manage we can also relate that we are still to be faithful stewards of that asset in various forms it doesn't matter what your gift may be or look like what matters is the service we do faithfully to steward those gifts to the best of our ability and as always employ wise counsel in your decision making most nurseries have advisors that can help you and guide you to which type and level of ceiling might be best suited for you. They're not going to try to upsell you, okay? But rather, based off of your expressed goals and objectives, they're going to guide you to find the tree that best fits your needs and gives you the best shot at your desired results. I hope you've gained some clarity around sometimes a confusing topic. And if you did, give us a shout out on social media. I would love to hear from you. Until next time.